James's Saturday Show. Fantastic classics, artist interviews, and brand new music. James's Saturday Show on IndieLive.radio. Good morning, Lewis. Can you hear me? Are you there? I am. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> How you doing? I'm great, mate. I'm great. How are you this morning? Yep, there, I'm there. You've got a bit of a delay going on with uh, both both tracks going in, but I've got oh, you. Right. Is that what it is? That's probably just indicative of what's been going on this morning then. <laughs> I understand. So, um, we played the 1927 Saturday service there, so I suppose the first question for you is how did it come about? Two seconds, two seconds, because I'm getting two. Uh, I'm getting two streams. I'm getting you about ten seconds ago, and also you at the moment. All right, so you maybe still got the radio going. Give me one sec. I'll leave and rejoin. Okay, then, fair enough. Um, so, <laughs> looks as if the technical gremlin problems are still uh, affecting us this morning, um, which is a bit of a, a shame. Um, but I'll just keep waffling on anyway. Um, until uh, Lewis rejoins us. Um, so, yeah, the the 1927 Saturday service, as I said, this is the most recent um, song that he's put out. So here we go. He's ready to come back again. Hello. Ah, good. You're back. You're back. There we go. That's better. <laughs> Not a problem. Apologies. <laughs> so, as I was saying before, um, 1927 Saturday service, how did that come about? Um. It's pretty much what it says on the tin, to be quite honest with you. It's, um, <laughs> I got on a train about um, must be a couple of months back, just before all the pubs had shut, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was uh, it was literally the 1927 Saturday service to Helens, but essentially all these folk that had been in Edinburgh all day just drinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> going back to Partick, basically, where I am now. And... Uh, it was just a sort of magic kind of train ride through West. It was a slow train, so it's the one that goes through like a million places. It takes ages. Oh, right. You go through, you sit there, you go, it's like this world tour of Lanarkshire and uh, uh, West Lothian. It's, it's grand, you know? So you, you go through these places and you go through like every every town basically on the way there. People kind of get off, get on. People that are going to Glasgow for a night out. People that have been in Edinburgh all day just, you know, uh, on the beers and the football or whatever yeah. it was. And then... It was just this sort of like mental scene. I mean, people were like, I mean, like forget any of the kind of like sort of social distancing rules or the masks or anything. <laughs> just this sort of uh, disaster throughout the whole train. It's absolutely packed as well. So everyone was there's sort of this party going on. Yeah. Uh, sort of got progressively more mental. Someone pulled the passenger alarm like at Airdrie because <laughs> they didn't know if the train was stopping it. Carntine, which is a, a, a vignette that I uh, included in the song as well. Yeah. Um, the guard just kind of gave up and it was just a sort of, I was just started chatting to some of the folk and everyone, I mean, it was loads. I mean, I don't know if it was just, just booze to be quite honest, but like there was, I started yeah. just sort of ch- chatting around to some of the folk that were getting on, getting off. And it was just this sort of fascinating little window into Scottish life, you know? So I started writing this little poem, like kind of daft little verse you know and mm. then uh kind of set it to music and uh i went and recorded it here in glasgow with a, a matchbox sound with kieran mcintyre joe cardell played the drums on it that's where the kind of train thing came in and yeah. we just sort of put it together that way and uh yeah it's a bit different to what i usually do but like uh i thought it was quite nice to kind of put in a song that talked about sort of 
real Scotland, or certainly an aspect of uh, real Scotland, away from the, the kilts and the Loch Ness and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I must admit, um, the first time I, I listened to it, um, when you sent it to me a few weeks ago, it kind of brought back memories to me of a getting the last bus out of Glasgow city centre, um, you know, going home after he'd been out, you know, in the pub or at the dancing or whatever it was. And just that whole sort of party atmosphere um, that you'd mentioned, you know, it's in some occasions there would be somebody there would pull out a guitar, you know, and they'd, they'd start to play songs and everybody would be singing along and they'd all be dancing and stamping their feet, you know, and just the, the terrific, tremendous public spirit, I think. Yeah, I think it's pretty good crack, actually. It's something that I guess is, is, is on a limit. Well, I saw yesterday they, they banned alcohol on the trains yeah. now. So um, I guess it's sort of this kind of, it is, it's this uh, party atmosphere, but it's maybe something that's sort of staring extinction in the face, this kind mm. of last transport out of anywhere, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it, that means it should be recorded in some uh, in, in, uh, in some way or another. And uh, in, that, in that way, we'll, we'll put it in song and there we have it. That's it. So let's talk a little bit about Lewis Reeve. Um, where are you from originally? I mean, are you a Glasgow boy? No, no, I live here now. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I've lived in quite a lot of places, actually, to be honest. Um, though I grew up mainly in Edinburgh. Uh, right. I grew up mainly in Edinburgh, though I'm, I've just moved to Glasgow from having lived in Spain for six years. So I was in, mm. in Barcelona and before that Andalusia. Before that, I lived... Uh, ill-fated couple of years in London as well mm-hmm. for my sins and um, yeah a few places in between as well but uh, I grew up in Edinburgh no, and uh, have made Glasgow home for the moment. <laughs> yeah so I suppose the fact that you've kind of lived in lots of different places you'll have quite a lot of different um, influences um, when it comes to your music. Certainly yeah um, I think Certainly in some of the newer stuff as well. Like mm-hmm. I'd always uh, discounted the kind of fact that I lived in Spain for a very long time, but uh, I think it does come through. There's a lot of the guitar work and yeah. stuff has got a bit of flamenco in there, kind of some of the harmonies as well. There, There is a bit of the this kind of Spanish style, uh, Catalan style as well, I should say, uh, diplomatically. Um, so that, that, that does come through. I think in the, in the beginning, like what I was really inspired by was, uh, was lyrics, uh, mm. which is what, what, what kind of took, took me into songwriting in the first place. So it was m- sort of more recently th- through uh, the kind of, I suppose, your, your more international people, people like you know, your Tom Waits's, your mm. Bob Dylan's, these kind of, these guys, uh, Ray Davis of the Kinks, I always think is a great lyric, ly- lyricist. Um, that, that comes up. That came from from Scottish people, actually. To be quite honest, that that came from me listening to people like Michael Mara, Hamish Imlach, um, the kind of great storytelling musicians. Yeah. Uh, you're uh, Matt McGinn. Oh, these these guys. These uh, it's this narrative storytelling tradition that's very, very, very strong, and still is in Scotland, especially like um, of telling you know. <laughs> telling histories, you know, getting a bit of crack across through music, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that's where that kind of came from. Um, I, I, oh, sorry. Um, no, I sometimes find um, when I'm speaking to musicians, especially musicians who also write their own material, that they, if they're Scottish, they kind of tell the same story as you're saying, you know, the influences that they've had, and they're all kind of fairly common. The influences are uh, quite sort of folky. 
um, traditional mm-hmm. Scots, um, and I always find that interesting. So when you're writing, does the words come first to you or is it the music? Um, that's a good question. That's one I've been asked quite, quite, a, quite a bit and I'm never quite sure exactly what the answer is. <laughs> I've always, I think probably the words, to be quite honest, like I'd have, I do a lot of reading, you know, just um, <laughs> like an endless amount of books and mm-hmm. just that, not just in English as well, like uh, there are like a, the kind of Spanish and uh, Catalan things as well, but also in, in Scots and sort of rediscovering this kind of uh, tradition of, you know, linguistic expression, I suppose is what you could call it. Um, I always kind of wrote poetry, most of it awful. Um, and I think that was what came first. So it was just this like obsession with putting words together and seeing what would rhyme, seeing what would kind of go go with what. Um, I didn't learn to play the guitar till relatively recently, actually. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe about uh, six, six or seven years ago. Um, I learned to play the guitar and that was what kind of put it all together and sort of yeah. figured I could, if I was writing poetry, I could write songs as well. If I could play the guitar, it mm. all kind of went together. Um, but I think it's the language, like, to give you a definitive answer, it's mm. probably the language that comes first. It's the words, it's the, it's the idea of putting words together and uh, in a way that is like entertaining and also, um, you know, it tells a story basically, it's narrative. Yeah, I mean certainly the songs that of yours that you've sent to me and I've listened to, um, that kind of theme is very very strong through them, and I get that sense of you know somebody telling a story. So you've got the beginning, the middle, and the end, um, and that kind of leads me on because um, obviously some of the other tracks that I'm going to be playing today are uh, whitewashing business mm-hmm. as usual, in the shadow of Big Ben. And the one that I'm most interested in getting a little bit of feedback on is mm-hmm. the state of the nation. Sure. Um, now, is that your kind of throwing your hat into the independence ring or is it a completely different setup? Not, um, not really. I've, in, in terms of throwing a hat into the independence ring, like I'm, I'm, I've always believed really in the in the idea of an independent mm-hmm. Scotland it's not an idea that I'm particularly trying to that in that particular song I was trying to trying to propagate the, the background to that song I wrote it back in uh, n- November actually 2019 so it's, it's actually it's got it's about a year I suppose a year ago yeah um and I wrote it on the back of reading about uh Scotland's role in the slave trade, actually. Um, this was, it was a bit before, like, this is um, obviously with the kind of BLM uh, questioning culture movements that have kind of come up in the last few months or certainly just before the pandemic, anyway. Um, this kind of, it kind of brought it into a more public sphere. But I kind of wanted to write a song about Scotland, which... Um, it actually got a lot of <laughs> relatively negative criticism from a lot of people that I think got the wrong idea about it, that mm-hmm. it was kind of a criticism of Scotland or of Scottish culture or of um, Scottish history. But I'm a big advocate in believing that, like, in order to kind of go forward with uh, any degree of, you know, nationhood or becoming a new, a new nation, we really need to understand, like, kind of where we came from. And... Mm-hmm. 
we have a really like on a personal level like for me i think we just get we get a very convenient narrative of scotland being kind of this uh like a sort of hollywoodized version of scotland that like is is great for some things like you know it's 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 really important to have that kind of national identity in mm-hmm. in some some aspects but it forgets like a lot of things like a load of things and um I think to kind of come to terms with some of the things that we have in our past and kind of basically uh, address them, then we can use that information to, you know, create some kind of more sustainable society in the future. Yeah. I mean, I've always felt for a very long time, in fact, that um, while I was never really taught any Scottish history um, when I was at school, um, the most Scottish history we got taught was a, uh, Robert the Bruce sitting in a cave somewhere watching a spider trying to weave a web and get the uh, motivation, you know, to to keep going. Um, But all of this stuff to do with, you know, Scotland making money out of the slave trade and stuff like that never was touched on. And in all honesty, up until about maybe 10, 15 years ago, the street names that are associated with people that were involved in the slave trade, that never actually occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was through a conversation with a friend of mine who's from Jamaica um, that all that sort of got put to me. And I thought, right, I've got to go and learn about this, you know. And I'm glad now that apparently that's starting to happen. Um, yeah. As you said, it's important if we do become an independent nation that we do know much more about our history as it properly happened and not what people tell has happened. Exactly. And you're starting to see changes. Like, I mean, uh, I know in, in Lanarkshire, they're starting to kind of put it into the curriculum. They are teaching, you know, the British Empire is not has not this kind of thing on a pedestal that brought civilization to the world. And um, I, I think like, I'm completely on board with that. Um, but you're right. It's um, you talk about you, you, you not learning Scottish history at school. I didn't learn Scottish history at school. We had the same stories again, Robert the Bruce in the cave. Uh, a bit of Bannockburn, uh, some a tiny bit of Body Prince Charlie, and that was it. It was like that was done. You know, there was no like it was very kind of uh, you know there, there was no real depth into it. There were no characters. It was very it supported a narrative that I suppose like a very unionist narrative to be quite honest, like mm-hmm. um, of, of Scotland within something else, like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you never learned about kind of uh, anything, uh, labour rights, uh, some yeah. of these great figures, uh, Red Clydeside, like some of the huge movements in Scotland, the, you know, John McLean, these kind of guys, and yeah. you had no idea. And um, it's only through kind of my own reading that you discover them and you think like, God, these are, you know, this could be quite inspirational for kids. Like, why are we not, yeah. you know, at least teaching it a bit? Yeah, I mean, I must admit, one of the one of the biggest surprises of me when I started to look into, you know, much more about Scottish history was that I discovered that James Connolly was actually from Leith. Yeah, he's from, uh, he's in Edinburgh, he's from, uh, I think he was born in Cowgate, actually. Yeah, he's in, you know, grew up in know Edinburgh, that. you know, and, you, <laughs> you know, one of these, the totemic figures of... Yeah. Uh, labour movements mm-hmm. is you know was born in scotland is effectively scottish to an irish family you know yeah and um yeah i had no idea absolutely no idea the same as you like yeah. well, anyway let's get back to some talk about music um sure. and the pandemic obviously has had a 
huge impact on live performances. Mm-hmm. Um, how how are you coping with the you know not being able to go out and do a gig you know in front of people? It's it is tough, especially like for this kind of music, um, this kind of narrative, I suppose folk music you could call mm-hmm. it it relies quite heavily on like the kind of first string to the bow is really the live shows, you know, yeah. you're trying to, cause you can really, I mean, you can interact with people on the most basic level and that you can talk to them, you know, like mm-hmm. right there, you can explain the stories, you can explain what you're doing and, you know, people can, if they're interested or they are curious, they can, they can literally kind of approach you and ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has been, it was a, a quite a major thing. Um, for me, uh, in terms of kind of losing the live the live performances, yeah, I think like everybody else, I did. I went into live streaming as well, mm-hmm. and I did uh, we with some success, kind of doing a weekly live stream. Though you do lose uh, a certain, I don't know what it is, something that's not particularly tangible, but there is something that is not there when you're live streaming a show, yeah. as opposed to being in a pub or whatever, or a yeah. club or etc. One of the things I've noticed, I've, I've watched quite a few people when they've been doing their live streams, and one of the things that I've noticed is that there are some people who are really good at it, and there are some people who are obviously quite uncomfortable with the whole notion of doing mm. the live stream, and therefore their performance is very bitty. And I think if you were to see them for the first time in a live stream, and you didn't particularly like it, the chances yeah. are you might not go to see them you know, whenever you were able to go to a live performance. Because I think that uh, live performances are driven by the audiences. Mm-hmm. You know, as you say, that as soon as you start to play that first note, if that grabs the attention of your audience, they're going to be with you from the beginning right through to the end. And in fact, when it finishes, they're going to be screaming for more. Exactly. It's a much more direct way of... Uh interacting but as you say it's not really an option at the moment so uh musicians do have to think a little bit outside the box of how they how they go about it yeah i mean i've kind of benefited um in a a kind of cack-handed way if you like um because obviously when i started to do this show on indie live radio it was back in september last year i believe Mm -hmm. the first performance and i've always wanted to you know, feature people like yourself, you know, new new music, new musicians, new bands, um, in terms of they're not really getting a lot of airplay. And to begin with, it was a bit of a struggle, you know. Although I was putting out an appeal every week, you know, please send mm-hmm. me music. There wasn't a lot happening. And then, sure. kind of ironically, once the whole lockdown thing happened in Glasgow back in March, I started to get loads and loads of emails. Um, because people started to realise if we can't go out and perform live, we have to get our music out there. Um, You know, and just to say, last week, um, I've had a shed load of emails. Um, (laughs) And I've just, I've been so busy this week, I've just not had a chance, much of a chance to get through them all. Um, I don't understand. You know, and I I feel a wee bit guilty, you know, that because I, I want to listen to them as soon as I get them, but sometimes I'm not able to do that. And I always respond when somebody emails me, you know, I always respond back to them and say, yeah, I've got this email. I'm going to listen to it and I'll let you know when we're going to, you know, feature it on a show. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it's important to do that because I'm sure you've maybe done this yourself where you've submitted music somewhere 
and they haven't even bothered to respond to you to say, oh, we've got it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's something that I think affects a lot of independent musicians, like uh, regardless of you know how big they are or how, how big their following is. It's something that I've been thinking a lot about recently, actually, um, in a way of musicians being able to get their music out in a more kind of sustainable way. Because as you say, just sending music kind of, it's like sort of cold calling music to radio stations or uh, DJs or journalists or whatever. And 95% of the time you don't get a response. Like, I mean, it just, it's like the, that's the end of the transaction, you know, yep. you send and it's, it's done. Um, and I think I would personally like to see, and I'm, I'm thinking about a ways of doing this actually. So if anyone is listening and, you know, would like to get involved and please like get in touch, you know, um, but I thought that the way to kind of do this would be for instead of approaching people that have, you know, no direct connection with your music, mm. I think the way to do it or a way I would like to try to do it would be to create a kind of a, a scene within musicians. So musicians interacting with other musicians and by doing that, you could kind of get together a, a scene, I suppose is what you'd yeah. call it, or uh, who support each other's work, who could uh, publicize each other's work if they liked it, obviously I'm not suggesting just doing it willy nilly, you know, like is uh, um, if, if they liked it or it's doing a similar thing or it's saying a similar story or it's, you know, hitting the same kind of notes, like to excuse the pun, um, then they could, um, you know, it's, it's a way of kind of grassroots supporting each other. And from that, if your musicians are supporting each other that in that way, then you can bring in, you know, radios like, like yourself, people, radios who are looking to support, uh, looking to feature new music from, for example, in this case, Scotland. And then you've got a direct link, you know, you've got your musicians, you've got your radio there, you've got your music writers, for example, who are all in the same kind of uh, bucket for want of a better word. Mm -hmm. And from that, you can kind of, from, you know, I guess like sort of self self-help, I suppose yeah. you call it. Like you can build up a level of kind of sustainable independent music, I think, is is the way of doing it. Um it requires organization and it requires a lot of work. And uh it's something I've been looking into a lot at the moment and I hope we can kind of create some momentum going into certainly next year and uh, yeah. see how we go. I mean, I certainly, you know, even though I feature somebody on a sh on a show, it's not just a case that it's that show and that's it. And, you know, I may leave it a few weeks and then I'll I'll play again. Um, in some instances, they've sent me newer material and we'll, we'll re-feature it, you know, with the new material as well. Um, so whenever possible, I'm trying to keep it in people's minds, you know, that these guys are out there. And, you know, you can get the music from SoundCloud, from Spotify, from iTunes, you know, whatever all the various outlets are, uh -huh. um, get that mentioned, you know, and, and the hope that people will hear it on the show, they'll like it, and that'll inspire them to go and try and find out and listen a bit more. Last weekend, we had um, Ian and Andrew Mundy um, from the duo Bra on Bro, yeah, um, yeah, and they did it. um their recent single whiskey in hand um mm -hmm. trying to raise money for november and they sent me a wee link you know to get people to download it from itunes 79 pence it's nothing you know and i was saying to them last week i did that i sent it out to lots of people and i had one person come back to me and he was like you know it's not really my thing but thanks anyway 
you know, so I, resp- I replied back to him and I said, look, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I says, I'm just trying to help these guys along. They're big indie supporters. And I knew this guy was a big independent supporter. I says, but if it's not your thing, that's fine. And uh, he came back to me about five minutes later and he went, I've downloaded it and I've sent it on to another 50 people. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I mean, it's, you know, the more you, it's through dialogue, you can actually... I don't know, you can just get music kind of, get a lot more momentum behind it, you know? Yeah. Just through direct conversation, through dialogue, through mm-hmm. creating a bit of, uh, I don't know, a conversation or surrounding a, a song or a, a piece of artistic expression. Yeah. I mean, I, the hardest thing for me with, with the whole lockdown thing because of COVID is that I've not been able to go out and see bands playing in pubs, you know. Mm-hmm. Quite often I, I would go along and might not even know who's playing that particular night in a particular bar, but just go in and, uh, you know, just listen to them for a while and see, you know, and obviously sometimes they're good and so you stay there. Sometimes it's not really your type of thing and you listen to a few tracks, have a couple of beers and then move on, you know. Yeah, um, but that is the one thing that I do miss um, not being able to do. I think uh, you and many others, like it's, it's something that maybe people, certainly in, in live music, I wouldn't say it was taken for granted, but mm-hmm. it was very, very much kind of evident, you know, going into a pub and there'd be like, you know, even a guy just playing the guitar or going in the back and they've got a band there or even traditional music, jazz, whatever. Like, I think it was so prevalent and now that it's been taken away, it's very, it's like it's left this sort of big, deep black hole where it was. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people are, are very much looking forward to kind of going back to that. And um, as I say, I hope it can kind of, when it does come back, and it will come back, um, when it does, like, I hope it can be in a way that is, you know, sustainable for independent artists when we're mm. going, you know, going forward, I suppose. Yeah. So, Unfortunately, we're coming towards the end of our half hour um, because of the few wee technical issues we had at the beginning. So just kind of briefly, how do you see um, your movement forward? You know, let's assume um, we're into 2021 and the whole COVID lockdown things are all over and done with. We've all been vaccinated. Um, Have you got any kind of big plans that you would like to instigate next year? So, I mean, I guess regardless of the... Uh, what happens I will be recording a new album come January it's a lot easier recording because a lot of it's me <laughs> so it's just a kind of one person but I think it's interesting what you what you what you said it's kind of going into the future I would see that yeah I'd love to get back into kind of live playing and stuff but more importantly to kind of do it in a way that isn't exactly how it was before I think this Obviously, the, the, I was saying, you know, this kind of pandemic, the whole thing has shown this kind of black hole of where music used to be, live music anyway. I think it's also highlighted the precarity of uh, certainly creative artists, artistic mm-hmm. expression, but especially music. And I don't, I personally don't want to go back to a time where on the one hand, you can pay the best part of 200 quid to see an international act in a, an enormous stadium yeah. while in a, you know, small bars, clubs, venues around the place, bands are playing for free or even worse, paying to play, um, I think is a completely unsustainable way of kind of going back into live music. It's very clear that people love live music and people love playing live music. People love listening to live music. And 
I think we can use that as a very, you know, it's a very powerful desire on the part of the musician and also on the part of the, the listener. We can go and we can make it sustainable for people, uh, musicians, to, to play, to, mm. to practice their art and for people to enjoy it, I think. Yeah. So I would like, as I say, yeah, as I, I would like that to be, um, as I say, once all this is calmed down a little, like I would hope that would be a way of, of doing it. So I'm looking into creating something that, yeah, um, whether it's one night a month in which musicians can play, people come and, you know, uh, it becomes a sustainable way of, of playing music. Basically. Yeah. So that's us. We've got about 30 seconds left. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you for joining me today, Lewis. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. We'll get the rest of your music played out through the rest of the show. And uh, more power to your elbow uh, going forward. And hopefully we'll get a chance to come and see you live. That'd be grand. All right. Thank you for your time. Have a good day. Cheers, James. Take care. Bye now. Okay, so how do you get in touch with me here at the Saturday Show? Well, it's very, very simple. You can tweet me at JE Saturday Show or at Indie Live Radio. You can send me a message to our page on Facebook, Indie Live Radio. Why not join us on the Discord chat live during the show? Go to the website, indielive.radio, and sign up to the Discord chat channel. You can text the show, 07849 162250 that's 07849162250 you can email me at the show and if you are a musical artist singer band etc you email james.saturdayshow at gmail.com with a sample of your music and uh, we can arrange to have it played on air for you we have our own facebook page and uh, any interviews a new artist that i will be featuring will be posted up on there as well james's saturday show fantastic classics artist interviews and brand new music james's saturday show on indie